great aunt March is you yes. know talking about how because Meg is going to go attend Sally Moffat's coming out and they're all like frantically getting her ready to go to this big thing and she's like she cannot go without gloves and like all this other stuff and it's like the only hope for your family is for Margaret to marry well although I don't know who marries governesses and the answer yep. is Rochester I know <laughs> Lillian, hello. How are you today? I am so good. I am so excited to talk about today's movies. Yes. <laughs> I cannot wait. You texted me and we're talking about how excited you are to talk about the 94, which I know is a really important movie to you. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely like, I mean, buckle up guys. It's going to be a long one. I think it's going <laughs> to be a good one, but I'm so excited to talk to you about today's movies. Yay! So uh, we are doing uh, Little Women, which is an important story to both Lillian and I. And uh, originally, uh, I think I was thinking for sure we're going to do the 90s one. And then Lillian, who also loves the uh, 2019, isn't that Mm -hmm. when it came out? Yeah, the 2019 one. So we decided to watch both. And um, we're going to talk about you know, the, the story in general, the characters and the themes in general. But I think a big part of today's discussion is probably going to be a compare and contrast of these two different approaches to this very famous and beloved story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you, you're up for a recap. We haven't done this in a while cause we've been doing a lot of book episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very curious to see how you're going to approach the recap, <laughs> whether you're going to try and tackle everything. Cause if it was me, I would do a nice little like synopsis, but we'll just have to see. <laughs> are you laughing because no i would vote not of confidence <laughs> well i guess what i'm wondering is are you going to try and tell the story chronologically or are you going to mix up events just like the nine the 19 no it's just like the 2019 one does i'm going to do my recap is going to be for the story of little women not for either of these movies okay so cool. i am going to go chronologically i'm going to try to do it fast i know it's not going to go well but here I, we go i am ready So Little Women is the story of the March family, and we have Joe, Meg, Beth, and Amy, and their mom, who is referred to as Marmy. And we start off our tale with them, uh, with their father off at war in the Civil War, fighting for the good guys. Um, And we just see their lives together and their joy and their struggles and just what that looks like. They have a neighbor named Lori, who is um, sort of brought into the to the fold and he's he's brought into all of the March sisters, our little women's uh, antics. Um, and he is very much in love with Joe at the beginning of our tale. Um, and they are very giving and lovely and wholesome family. And we watch them kind of go through childhood and then, uh, their dad comes home at Christmas. Yay. Um, (laughs) and then we go on to a, a quick little time jump where Meg either is getting married or is already married and um, very in love with a tutor uh, who doesn't have money, which is a big deal. Um, (laughs) So the poor again. Um, And then we see Joe is off in New York writing and she met this professor man and they are having a little friendship, eyebrow waggle. (laughs) Um, And she, and then 
Amy is off in Paris with their aunt who Joe also worked for. And there's all this stuff there. And Lori (laughs) is then also in Paris and Amy and Lori do some talking and kissing and then they get married and they come back. And Joe is very uh, sort of like confused about her future. Also, Beth was really sick when they were kids. And then Beth does die when they're older. Um, So that's like, just get ready to cry. Um, and when Amy comes back there, uh, Joe is really surprised, but then her German boyfriend comes and visits and she is in love with him and they kiss and stuff. <laughs> what a Our terrible recap of women. <laughs> of women, the history of women by Lillian Cotter. <laughs> oh my um, God. I bet two, it was that and long, huh? Two minutes, uh, seven seconds. <laughs> oh my God. I just gave up at the end. <laughs> but you you got you hit all the um the big uh points um so yeah you did a good almost job almost forgot Beth's death yeah like one of the most like emotional traumatic things I'm kind of wondering I, well I'm interested how we're going to approach talking about this if we're going to talk about maybe characters first that might be the easiest thing yeah versus comparing the different versions and I kind of want to compare how the different versions approached the characters like mm-hmm. that's sort of what I was thinking. I think there's a lot of different plot points, but I really feel like that's when I think about the differences in watching these two films, it's Mm -hmm. how they approached the story, but it is little women in general is a character study. Like it's all about these characters and there's absolutely like plot points, but it's all Mm -hmm. in service of these characters, which those are my favorite kinds of stories. I love a character driven story. And I think I, I want to hear, I want your, your little first impressions of both of these stories so we can level set for our listeners. Absolutely. Um, Because I know a little bit about what you think of these movies, but I really Mm want to kind of set that out for our listeners. So to set the stage of how I come at these two versions, the 90s movie is very important to me for many reasons, but the main thing is that my grandmother showed it to me when I was in elementary school. So she showed me that film and I saw how much she enjoyed it and that made me love it all the more. Uh, She then gave me her VHS copy of it, which I watched a thousand times. And whenever I watch it now, I always think of my grandmother, who's no longer with us. Um, But Joe was a very influential character to my growing up because I'm sure like many young women who either read the book or saw any kind of adaptation of it, Joe is a big part of why I am a writer. Uh, She inspired me so much in that way. I love her her thrill of, of life, her creativity and so oftentimes, because like in the 90s version, Joe is up in her attic and she wears this little hat when she's writing. And I literally for a while when I was in middle school, I was like, I should have a writing hat because Joe wears a hat when she writes. And maybe that'll make me a better writer, too. So I've very much shaped a lot of my young adolescent identity around her. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of where that for me is sort of like it's a pinnacle. The 90s movie is sort of it's, it's lodged in my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was curious and hesitant when the, the new one came out in 2019. Um, I mean, I liked all the actresses. I liked the people involved in the creation of it. And uh, I didn't go and see it right away. I think because of that hesitation, I was like, well, I know it's mm-hmm. not going to live up to the high pedestal that I have the 90s version on. Uh, and then I did eventually see it and I did 
like it. I think I went in very critical the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second watch through that I did for in preparation of today's episode, um, I liked it much more. I think I was way more critical the first time I saw it because I was like, you know, comparing it to my childhood. Yeah. My childhood. And so uh, seeing it this time around, I was way more like open and analytical and everything. So I do like this new version, although I do have critiques about some of the major narrative choices, first of which is the fact that it is told out of order, uh, Mm -hmm. where I think it's very crucial for the story personally to be told chronologically. So the fact that the uh, 2019 version swaps stuff around as far as like what's happening when we see them in the timeline, that's a choice that I'm not crazy about, but everything else I love. Yeah. And I think I, first of all, I, I, I've, I mentioned when we were talking about doing this, that a lot of my experience of Jane Eyre, cause you and I are not Jane Eyre. Oh my God. <laughs> Little women. You, you and I talked about this last time, but, um, for our listeners who don't know, Piper and I have been friends since we were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So my first experience of Little Women was watching it on VHS with you. Yay. <laughs> so I've always associated this with you and my head. And like, I hadn't seen, I did not have a really strong childhood memory of, Little Women in the 94 version. Mm -hmm. And in watching these two back to back, it had been the first time in a while that I'd watched the 94 version. And I chose to watch that one first Mm -hmm. because I know I love the 2019 one. Mm -hmm. um, And I knew they were really different. And in watching it, I think what I love so much about both of these movies is first of all, Little Women is a fantastic story. And I referenced that a little bit in that character study thing that I mentioned. I think it's such a beautiful story. And I think if we were going to do a season two of Jane Eyre about, or of Air Buds about a different story, I genuinely think Little Women would be the thing we should do because there's so much here and there's so many different ways to approach telling this story. And I think the, the difference that I felt in watching these two back to back is I think they're really different and I think they just choose to tell this story in a different way and to approach Mm -hmm. things really differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love them both. Yeah. I genuinely think they're both like really spectacular and beautiful stories, but I also knew watching it with how much the 94 version is in your heart and how Mm -hmm. much I can imagine it being in other people's heart. It would be hard to enjoy the 2019 one, because it is so different where Mm -hmm. I watch these films and I go, what an amazing example of the beauty of adaptions where you can tell the same story and approach it in these different ways and all of this stuff. But I have stories like I can't watch the 95 TV show of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm just like, this is like a little bit different than the one that I love. So I'm going to go away now. And I can imagine <laughs> you experiencing that same thing, watching the 2019 Little Women. It was, that was very much how I was on my first viewing of it, of being like, I'm like, oh, they didn't do this right. Like the 90s mm-hmm. one had that perfect. How could they not do it the exact mm-hmm. same way? But that was honestly one thing I was thinking about when I was like, okay, I'm sure, because what is the name of the, the director, the woman who did this? Greta Gerwig. Right. And she also did Wonder Woman, right? Or is that somebody I, else? She's done a, she did Lady Bird is the one that I always think of with her. I think someone else okay. did Wonder Woman, but I okay. could be wrong. All right. But so I assume that she has seen the 90s version. I, I Maybe I am like setting it up to be way too beloved and it's just simply my own personal viewing. But I wondered if maybe her choice to not tell the story chronologically was a way to separate it from 
that the works that have come before uh, to be like, well, how do I tell this and make it super unique without it simply being uh, a copy? Um, obviously, there were many other changes that she made, but I thought that was maybe part of the influence. I also thought, so let's talk real quick. Here's a detail that we can kind of go into. The 2019 version opens with Joe in New York City pitching a story to a newspaper. He makes changes, but he eventually accepts it and pays her for it. And then we kind of start jumping around through time. The 90s version begins, I believe, where the story does as well, where it's Christmas. Uh, the girls um, aren't getting presents this year. You know, the war is happening. Their father is away. And it's just the beginning of their story. So one thing that I had some criticism of, of us beginning with seeing Joe succeed as a writer I feel like for a modern audience, that's a way to say like, look, here's something exciting to grab your attention and then hold you as we do the rest of the stuff. And I think about the, what was it, 2011 Jane Eyre, where they also began midway through the story of us seeing mm -hmm. her run away. And I wonder if it's this thought that they think a modern audience needs an intense moment to happen to grab your attention before we then make you see these girls grow up or Jane suffer or whatever. And so I, I, I don't know. It's odd. I personally am not a fan of that as much because I'm like, it's way more fulfilling for me to see Joe eventually get to the point of her being able to sell her stories and be a successful author. So having that right off the bat, I'm like, well, we already know she's succeeded. I think it's interesting that you think of her selling those stories as a success because I felt like that was the compromise and it's not until the end of the story when she sells her book that we mm -hmm. see this true success. But I think I see, I absolutely see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy the way that they jump around in time and I don't, I see it more as a way to connect different moments, mm -hmm. um, and be like, this is connected to this. Like you mm -hmm. see, cause I think for example, the way that it, it contextualizes like Beth's illness. And we see Joe taking care of Beth when she's sick the first time. And then we see Joe trying to do the same thing again and, and not being able to succeed in that and kind of bringing those two moments together and being able to see how those influence one another and seeing those parallels. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I, the things that I enjoy about the way that they did the time hopping is the, you get to see how these traits of childhood manifest as adults. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how do you see, how does Amy being the way Amy is come together as when they're adults and being this, like, honestly, I think Amy's such a parallel to Joe, but we can talk about that um, later, but like her relationship her crush on Lori when she's a little kid, when I, it, it genuinely creeped me out a little bit <laughs> in, <laughs> From the, the 90s in the nineties version where you watch this very little girl have a crush on her neighbor. And then she grows up and he kind of shows up. I think there's a lot of things I want to talk about characters in examples and specific <laughs> things. I don't want to go too down far down that rabbit hole. Cause I, I see what you're saying. I love the time jumping, but I also, I, I think there is an element of, we've talked about this before, the adaptions live within, in conversation with both the story and each other. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely think that there's a, this is definitely a, an instance where she's telling that story to differentiate it, not only from the 94 version, which was incredibly popular and very, very well known. And certainly the version that people are thinking of in 2019 when they find out there's a new version coming out. Mm -hmm. But there's also 
not nearly as many as Jane Eyre because Jane Eyre is like just wild how many Jane Eyres there are. Um, but there <laughs> are <laughs> a huge number of adaptions of Little Women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I see what you're saying. I understand how that would be, how you do lose things in that, but I think mm-hmm. you gain a lot of things as well. And that's what I was kind of saying with the, there's advantages and there's, there's oh, totally cool way to tell these two different stories. I agree. And that I, as it's, again, this is all a matter of personal preference. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I, I see nothing wrong with the, the choice to tell it not chronologically. I have my own personal critiques. Um, but that's again, just a personal preference thing. I do like agree what you say about the past and the present, like comparing each other and having those parallels. I think the most powerful moment for that in the 2019 version is when they save the scene of, uh, Beth, first getting a scarlet fever and being sick mm-hmm. or later in the movie, because mm-hmm. then we have the scene where Joe falls asleep and wakes up and sees the bed empty, runs mm-hmm. downstairs. And because Marmy has come home to help uh, Beth get better, we then see Beth sitting at the breakfast table and it's this great relief. But then we get the instant parallel of Joe having come home because the scarlet fever has, you know, weakened her heart and she's on her deathbed. And when she wakes up in the morning, she comes downstairs and Marmy is crying because Beth has passed away, which Mm -hmm. by the way, I, again, you know, that that's a powerful moment in itself and it's beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. nothing in my opinion compared to the powerful scene in the nineties version when Beth dies, that's the scene where I break down every time. And if I can get a little emotional here, Mm -hmm. what kills me about it, apart from it being a beautiful uh, acting uh, moment and just beautiful cinematography and storytelling, there's the scene where after, uh, Joe and Beth are talking in Beth's like sick bed and then Joe, you know, starts to cry and she hears the storm kind of raging against the window. So she gets up, goes to the window, closes the sill and for a moment just kind of stands there and watches the storm rage and when she turns around Beth has died. And what kills me is my when I watched it with my grandmother, she told me she's like I've always interpreted that scene as Beth's soul leaving like out through the window in that big mm-hmm. gust of wind. And so like that hit me hard, my grandmother like telling me that. And so yeah. personal connections to these things. I think that scene is so crucial and so an interesting choice not to include the death scene specifically in the 2019 version. Yeah, and I think I I'm going to say something now that you can leave in or cut out depending on what you want to do. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that that's such a beautiful thing to hear that story about your grandmother, because I know that you and I have enjoyed a lot of movies and literature and romances and just talking about these things and something that since we were little kids, I have always appreciated about you in these conversations is your ability to see those metaphors more clearly than I ever was sort of naturally when I, without somebody kind of pointing it out or without putting on that lens. Anytime you and I talk about any sort of media, you always have this ability to kind of see those moments in a way that I sometimes miss. And knowing that your grandma watched this movie that's so full of metaphor with you and pointed that out, I can just see that in the way you approach all of these stories that we watch together. Oh, I and I just it. think that's so beautiful and it's making me cry. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that Lillian. And I, I agree. I, it's something I maybe don't think about, um, all the time, but yeah, I definitely had those influences of my grandma, like sharing that with me. I've gotten that all 
also in watching movies with my dad, which who knows, he probably got it from watching movies with her, um, where, yeah, well, he notes like important moments like that. We talk about it. And I think it's what makes viewing uh, these things so special. But um, so thank you. It's really nice. And I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, I think we might end up crying a couple times in this, which I haven't cried on the podcast before. I've cried (laughs) watching some of these movies because I'm a crier. But I guess here we are. Here we are. Well, don't worry. My eyes are all puffy from crying last night watching them. So (laughs) I haven't cried yet, but who knows? Maybe I will. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. Well, I think another thing with that while we're kind of talking about this time, and then I really want to dig into the characters, because like Mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's the beauty of this story. I think one of the things when I think about the time jump, particularly not something that I thought about in the first time I watched either of these, but as kind of putting on the lens that we do, I've mentioned this before, when I'm watching these movies, I'm Googling facts about them. I'm hanging out on IMDb. I'm looking up things about the author. And <laughs> I I had previously known this, but I think it was so top of mind watching these two adaptions is Mary Louise Elcott, who's the author of Little Women, mm-hmm. wrote these in two volumes. Mm-hmm. So the first one came out about a year prior to the second one. The first one goes from that that initial moment of we're seeing these children play together, they're building this relationship with Lori, all of that stuff that happens in childhood. It starts on a Christmas, it ends on a Christmas, mm-hmm. the Christmas when their father comes home. And I, and then it goes through that like second wave of adulthood and all of this stuff. And so in so many ways, you can see the arcs of two yeah. stories in this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see Greta Gerwig doing by bringing these two stories and sort of overlapping them mm-hmm. is you still feel that arc in both of them. Mm-hmm. And they just start in these different places Yeah, with um, Joe off in New York. And, and we see, and that's where you can kind of see some of those parallels and bring that stuff in. But I also think that there's obviously a huge amount of value in seeing that story linearly and mm-hmm. watching those characters grow in that order. And I think it services some characters more than others. Yes. Which yeah. is what I'm really excited to talk about as we as we dive into each of the characters. So which character do you want to talk about first, Lillian? I don't know if we want to talk about the least interesting characters first and then go <laughs> build to Joe or if we want to start with Joe. Let's start with Joe, you know? Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you know, Joe? Uh, so Winona Ryder plays Joe, uh, whose full name is Josephine March, uh, mm-hmm. goes by Joe. She plays Joe in the 90s version and Saoirse Ronan, uh, which I always have to say her name Saoirse because it's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> she plays Joe in the 2019 version. I think both actresses do an awesome job of having the level of kind of joy that joe emits uh and this kind of zest for life the the part that strikes me right off the bat in the 90s version when we first see her is there's this beautiful scene where uh it's christmas morning and um they decide that they're going to bring some of their christmas food uh their breakfast over to this poor family uh that lives nearby and so the girls bundle up they take their breakfast and they're on their way to like walk through the snow and joe says as she comes outside she's like oh glorious snow don't you wish you could roll about in it like dogs and it's like what a thing to say and that's just like her zest and i love it and then they instantly start like singing this christmas carol and she shouts at Lori, who's getting into the carriage to go to a church service i assume with his 
his grandfather. And Meg is mortified. She's like, no, don't yell at them. They should speak first in this whole thing. And so that's a moment that strikes me of her, like her wild and, and carefree existence. Um, yeah. But I, I'll stop rambling now. What's What are some of no, your no, thoughts no. about Joe? Keep rambling. <laughs> I think, I, I think it, Joe, as we're talking about these two different versions, first of all, love Joe, love a Joe. I, I so hardcore relate to Joe's. I have these big feelings and I don't really know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. Teenage Lillian had these big feelings and she didn't know what to do with them. And there's a lot of themes in this that tie directly into Jane Eyre themes that we talk about all the time. And that idea of what a woman should be is such a big piece. And I think, honestly, I think there both of these films have very different approaches to the feminism of little women. Mm-hmm. And I think the 94 version has a version of feminism that is directly in conversation with Jane Eyre because little women was in conversation with Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. And I think Joe is such a character that holds that character of Jane of especially little Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I, I completely agree her passion, her zest for life, her, her desire to express and experience these big feelings, the way that even now we always let men feel and be more than we let women. Mm-hmm. It is seen as too much in women. Joe would be absolutely someone who would be called bossy as a little girl, right? Like, <laughs> and she is, but she's a leader, right? Like she's just, and she, and her ability to take that and translate those big feelings into these words and put together these plays and these experiences and these fantasies and, and create a space for her sisters to express themselves in that same way. Like what a beautiful, incredible character. And I don't think I always related to, I didn't picking which March sister you are is a whole thing. Um, (laughs) And I always, I, I, I always like a part of me wanted to be a Joe. I thought I was probably more of a Meg and I was terrified that I was actually Amy. Um, <laughs> but I really think when it comes down to it, while I'm not one-to-one this character, I'm a marmy baby. Oh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> see you and her. <laughs> not quite going to give away my Christmas breakfast to the poor family down the road. I'm not quite as selfless as her in that very tangible way. Mm-hmm. But in, the, in, the, in a lot of other ways, I think there's... I don't want to also ramble away, but... There's, there's a particular moment in the 2019 one that I really want to talk about, but I also want to, want to know kind of more of your thoughts on Joe, because Mm -hmm. I know she was such an influence for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and also how you, in this viewing kind Mm -hmm. of know, cause I know how different it is to experience these films when we're going to be talking about them like this. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you feel about the way Renona Ryder did, Ryder did uh, play it versus the way Saoirse Ronan played this spectacular character. So I, I like both. I definitely obviously prefer Winona Ryder, but for all the reasons I said before, they're very similar, but they're very different. Uh, I guess how, I, f- how would you talk about, I, cause you talked a little bit about Renona. Win- mm-hmm. Oh my God. Renona Weiner. <laughs> Winona Ryder. So um, we talk about you, Searsha's. Yeah. How, how would you describe Searsha's? Uh, I, I liked it. Um, I would describe her, she has that, that zest, but I think there's less of that, that joy. Um, Mm. I, I think 
we do see her happiness, but we also see her frustration. I think that's something she puts forward in Joe more than uh, Winona Ryder did. And I think it's partially because I feel that the 2019 version puts a big emphasis on women's independence Mm. and their autonomy and what they can do with themselves. I think the the movie focuses a lot on money and the ability to make money. And so that's something that both Amy and Joe lament about. Um, it's also something that they had Meg lament about a bit, which I was, uh, that was a little odd to me because I feel like they kind of made Meg a little more materialistic than she is portrayed in the nineties version. And it caused, they even have that whole scene where like Meg and her husband have kind of like a mini falling out when, you know, she's like, oh, well I want nice things. And he's like, I'm poor and you knew that. And I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. And this whole thing. And I was like, whoa, this is sad. Why'd you do this to me? 2019 version. Like she and him are just supposed to be happy forever. I think one thing that Saoirse Ronan does that uh, Winona Ryder didn't is we see, especially Joe in New York, she's way Mm. more just kind of like, she's got these kind of blinders on, I think. And like, we see it when she's in the boarding house and kind of first talking to Professor Bear. And it's a lot of her just kind of being like, like, this is my thing. I'm not really like open to critique and I'm just going forward. Whereas when you see those similar scenes with Winona Ryder, when she's in New York talking with Bear, yes, she's hurt by his critique, but she doesn't simply like, you know, block him out entirely. Um, They have those moments together where she seems a bit more receptive and Mm -hmm. um, open to other perspectives. And so that's something that I think that strikes me about these two different uh, comparisons. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally see that. I think that joy is something that I I saw, but I, I didn't articulate it the way that I think you so excellently did just there. Cause I think that that's, that's the difference is we're seeing a lot of Joe's Joe struggles in the 94 for sure. Like she's mm-hmm. finding herself, she's sorting these things out. She has this relationship with Lori, which we're going to talk about. And, and then she feels kind of let down by um, she feels like she's letting down all of these people in her life who have these expectations for what her and Lori's relationship is going to look like and what her life is going to be. Mm-hmm. And she has these big dreams and she wants people to also support those. But I think, um, I think you're right that that difference of there's this emphasis on independence and you see that in so many spaces in mm-hmm. the 2019 one. And frankly, that might be why it resonates with me a little bit more. Cause I love you. And we know I love a romance. (laughs) We know that I read books with that have a happy ending for a romance. But I think the reason why that in particular resonated with me so much that that idea of women can be happy and joyous and have a whole life and have their entire happy ending without a man. Mm -hmm. And the man can be a cherry on top. He can be this Mm -hmm. other thing that's also happening, Mm -hmm. but he's not the purpose and the driver of her life, which is not the point of a romance, Mm -hmm. which is, which I do, I do get. I think that's why Saoirse Ronan's sort of struggles with those big feelings and the swing of those feelings Mm -hmm. um, and the resolution of that not being around a man Mm -hmm. really resonated for me. And as someone who I've sort of alluded to this before when we've talked about crazy people, <laughs> um, but I, I have struggled with big feelings in that I have struggled with my mental health. I have most likely, I don't really talk about my mental health in terms of a diagnosis, but probably the easiest one to describe it would probably be bipolar. So I have had those high highs and those low lows. And I see that in Joe yeah. and a big part of my personal journey has been struggling with the idea that still in 2022, 
there is a societal belief Mm -hmm. that you do not have a happy ending as a woman, Mm -hmm. unless you have at at a minimum a partner, but really honestly, a man. Mm -hmm. Um, And my experience has been finding so much joy in my own life and seeing that represented in the character of Joe in this really different way. I think there's, like I said, so much value in this other Joe, Mm -hmm. but it's not a story we see a lot of a woman finding joy and happiness in something other than a man. Yeah. There's a couple of quotes from the Cisha Ronan version that I want to, I want to talk about a little bit Mm -hmm. because I loved them (laughs) and they're sort of beautifully, one of them is from the book. um, And one of them is actually not from the book, but from a letter Mary Louise Alcott wrote to her mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's from the scene where Joe is talking about the idea that she, she doesn't understand how she can't be like calmer. She can't be this idea of womanhood. And Marmy talks about the fact that she's angry every day of her life, which she said that I burst into tears Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I am angry every day of my life. When Sears Ronan talks about the idea that she, she's going to, she's going to follow Marmy's example. Marmy says she spent 40 years figuring out how to be this calm, patient person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Sears Ronan says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to figure out how to be that a feeling I can relate to very hard. Marmy responds with this line of, there are some natures too noble to curb and too lofty to bend. Mm -hmm. That is a a line that Mary Louise Alcott wrote to her mother um, in a letter. And I just find that unbelievably beautiful that that was represented in this scene. That that this, this young girl who's 16 years old and struggling to control something that people have told her she needs to control. And her mm-hmm. mom's response to that is don't, maybe mm-hmm. you're too good to control yeah. those big feelings. Mm-hmm. There's a similar scene in the nineties version. It's right after Joe has refused Lori's proposal. And then she's crying in the attic with Beth. And then Amy comes in and tells her that uh, great aunt March is going to Europe. And instead of taking Joe, uh, Amy will be her companion who gets to go on this trip. We then see the scene where Joe is venting to Marmy and she has a very similar kind of like big confession. And she's like, of course, great aunt March would take Amy over me. I'm Mm -hmm. clumsy and awkward. And I always say the wrong thing. I throw away perfectly good marriage proposals. And she does this whole thing where she's like, I love our home, but I'm just so fitful and I can't stand being here. And she's like, I want to change, but I can't. And I just know I'm never going to fit in anywhere. And then Marmy does a similar speech. She doesn't have quite the same beautiful lines that was taken Mm -hmm. from this letter, but it's her being like, you have this passion and this energy and maybe where you are now, maybe we're too small for you. You need to get out onto like the world and be in a big city in a big place Mm -hmm. where your big personality can thrive and you can go and be this writer. And it's this beautiful like way of kind of encouraging her daughter and being like, don't change, don't stifle that passion, go to a place where that passion is recognized and appreciated and can grow. And so I, I agree. It's a beautiful moment. And it's great that both versions have a kind of a, a way of saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's such a beautiful thing in this story overall is we talk so often on this podcast about the idea of representing women with these diverse ideas of strength and, mm-hmm. and you, and ha- by having a lot of women, you can show a lot of different styles of strength that I think Joe has this very 
yelly run right at you. Just (laughs) her existence as this passionate woman is a rebellion. Um, and she knows it and she's out here and she's yelling about it and she's rolling in the snow. <laughs> like dogs. <and laughs> we're so stoked for her for that. But I think there's a rebellion in Beth's unending kindness. And yeah. I think there's a rebellion in Amy's lots of things. But I want to talk, <laughs> I want to talk about that when we talk about Amy, because what a what a character who is played so differently in these two versions. And I think there's a huge amount of strength and rebellion in Marmy mm-hmm. and the way that she approaches all of these different things. And I think the fact that she has created a space for her four daughters in a world where they want them to fit into this one particular mold. Mm-hmm. And Marmy goes, no, because yeah. I think Marmy 90% fits in that mold. Mm-hmm. And that last 10% is this like fierce kindness that she has and this giving spirit that she won't let go anywhere, which is just incredible. I do have one more quote that I think will be a great transition into talking about Marmy, if that's perfect, what you were alluding to. This is a speech that I thought (laughs) there's, there's a similar kind of parallel in the 94, but I didn't write it down in the 94. I wrote it down in the 2019. I might Um, have it memorized. Who knows? Go for it. (laughs) Um, But this is a quote from Little Women. I did double check that with all my quotes. So this is from the book and it is in the 2019 version. I actually think they, they put, placed it in a different spot, Mm -hmm. but it's in the moment when she's, Beth has just died. Joe is feeling very restless. She doesn't know what's going on. She's considering basically taking back her note from several years earlier with Lori and she, and Marmy is asking her, do you love him? And her response is, is sort of, I don't know that it matters. I all of these things. And, um, she responds with this speech eventually where she goes, you know, I just feel, I just feel like women, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they have ambitions and they have talents as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of everyone saying that love is all that a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it, but I'm so lonely. Yeah, that is a very powerful moment. And it's that thing that really struck me watching the 2019 version again is I think it strikes that beautiful parallel of Joe wants her independence. It's very important to her, but also she's a human being who wants to be loved as well. But it's not like, it's that thing where she's like, she's like, love is not all that I'm made for, but also Mm -hmm. I'm very alone and I do want to be loved, but I don't like, I wonder for her, if we go into her mind, does it feel as if she accepts love that she's given up on this kind of crusade that she's been on? And it's that interesting thing where it's kind of makes me think of the scene um, in the 2019 one where she's talking to Meg on her wedding day, which, by the way, I saw that and I'm like, that is a dick move. Don't talk her out of her love on her wedding day. And Meg <laughs> comes back to her with this wonderful thing where she's like, I found love and that's OK. That's not like me giving up because like yeah. Joe is like, you should be an actress. And it's like, I'm not going to be an actress. Like, I'm I'm going to marry the man that I love and I'm going to have a lovely life and mm-hmm. like have a family just as beautiful as the one that we grew up in. And mm-hmm. I think her it's this interesting thing where Joe maybe sees that as her giving up on a dream. But she's like, no, it's this is a new dream. This is equally beautiful and important. And it's the 2019 one, I think, really drives that message of like, can you love is that okay without compromise? I don't know. It's an interesting debate. 
I, and I don't know that I see it as much of a, a debate as, as you seem to see it. And that might be my own biases as I'm watching this. I think it's, I think it's the, I think that the message that I see in this is the idea that women are supposed to choose, um, and that women are supposed to choose marriage, like, and that you can't have both things. And I, I, the line that Meg says, and it, it so resonates in that moment is just because my dreams are different from yours. Don't, doesn't mean they're less important. Yes. Um, and I think that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about the idea of these different strengths with women, Mm -hmm. um, and by these different approaches, there's so much in what Joe is saying here. I keep wanting to say Jane, which I do want to talk just for a second (laughs) about the parallels between Jane and Joe. Very (laughs) similar. I, I feel like Mary Louise. So Mary Louise Alcott was a fan of the Bronte sisters. Like that is known. There are references to the Bronte sisters that I will, I have notes on. Um, there are a lot of references specifically to Jane Eyre. I did not know the story of Jane Eyre the first time I watched either of these. The parallels are wild. He like straight up and down references to Jane Eyre are out of control. I feel like in some ways, Joe is Jane if Jane's temper was wasn't curbed at mm-hmm. Lowood. Yeah. Um, and if she wasn't sort of forced to compromise given the fact that that story takes place a good 30 years prior to this story. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities, I think that's part of the reason why that economic opportunity is such a interesting conversation because Jane didn't have options to see the world mm-hmm. other than by being this governess where she could see part of the world, but not a lot of it, or by marrying Rochester and Mm -hmm. being able to experience the world through him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we've talked about that a lot and we will continue to talk about it. But I think that's part of where this conversation comes from in terms of economics. Absolutely. And you know, you saying that I just realized um, there is a line in the 90s version when Great Aunt March is you yes. know, talking about how because Meg is going to go attend Sally Moffat's coming out. And they're all like frantically getting her ready to go to this big thing. And she's like, she cannot go without gloves and like all this other stuff. And it's like the only hope for your family is for Margaret to marry well, although I don't know who marries governesses. And the answer yep. is Rochester. I know. <laughs> that was one of the like, I was like, that was the moment watching that moment was the moment that I was like, that can't not be a reference to Jane Eyre. Right. Right? And that's when I Googled it and was like, Oh, Mary Louise Alcott was obsessed with Emily Bronte or Charlotte Bronte, probably both, but for sure, Charlotte Bronte, she talks about the fact that this is like her conversation with Jane Eyre is a lot of what this book is. Um, And I think that's so interesting that in doing that, you can see both Jane, like Jane Eyre influences this and Jane Austen. Um, I have a lot of feelings about the Bennett family and the March family, which those end up being almost 60 years apart. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> we don't want to go down that rabbit hole and spend too much time talking about these thousands of other things when you and I both know we have a lot of things. So let's talk about Seriously. Marmy. <laughs> let's talk about Marmy. Let's make Marmy short because we have to talk about yes. Amy and that's going to take forever. I know. Um, <laughs> so my things about Marmy, I think both. Uh, so Susan Sarandon is yep. Marmy in the 90s. Um, and then Laura Dern is Marmy in 2019. Yes. Both incredibly strong actresses who bring their personal strength uh into these into these performances i think in watching both versions um this struck me but for me obviously more so the 90s one is where it really hit me and you said something about marmy as a character earlier that i really agree with and i think marmy's virtue is 
pinnacle. She is mm-hmm. so giving. She is so loving. Like the fact that she is constantly caring for the poor and the sick and the wounded. And that's how she gives to the world. Um, and it's interesting. There's a line in the nineties one when Joe is again, like talking about how she is like, has this anger and this passion in her that she's trying to stifle. And she's talking with Beth and she says, I can't be good. Like Marmy. I rather be like father and go to war. I, I crave violence. Uh, stand up. She says, I want to stand up to the lions of injustice. And Beth comes back with her saying, that's what Marmy does in her own way, which is very true. We see, like scenes where after in the nineties version, after Amy is struck by her teacher, um, uh, Marmy is going to write a letter to this man. And Joe at first is like a letter that'll show him like, what are you going to do with that? But it does have this power. This, she reads the letter aloud about how she's like, if you strike and hit a child, the only lesson they will learn is to hit and humiliate. Like Mm -hmm. I am taking the privilege of teaching my daughter away from you. I am withdrawing her from your school. Like this is not a thing anymore. And that's like a great way of being like, I'm putting my foot down and who knows, probably this guy saw that letter and he's like, okay, who cares? Whatever. But it was a moment for them in this family. And they're like, this is our, like, we're standing up to this line of injustice. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, and you see that even the way she treats the Hummels and she treats all of these other people and the fact that she treats the Hummels with the same level of respect that she treats the Lawrences, Mm -hmm. um, which you shouldn't do that in this time. Like that is a very explicit social rule mm-hmm. that you don't treat the poor, these poor people the same way that you would treat these wealthy people. One deserves more of your respect and one deserves pity, which I think that's such a beautiful thing that is so hard to do that in at no point in Little Women do I feel like the marches are pitying the Hummels. Yeah. I think there's a lot of this idea of Christian charity that I find is like a little bit there's, I, I have mixed feelings about parts of that because of the way that it is often interpreted. Um, but tiny little note, and I have so many notes on this story that I'm not going to get to them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, they reference in the 94 version that they're transcendentalists, which they reference in the 94 version. It means that they advocate for the idea of a personal knowledge of God, believing that there's no need for an intermediary, um, for spiritual insights. I love it very Helen Burns of them. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think that that's a lot of these values that are kind of being preached in this idea that Marmy kind of goes into that I think leaves this beautiful space for those different kinds of strengths and those different ways of, of fighting those injustices that you talked about. Yeah. And I think Joe seeing it as let's go out and fight in a war mm-hmm. to end slavery. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Cause there's, there's <laughs> slavery happening and let's go literally fight in a war. And Beth, who again has that own different kind of strength, because when Marmy's not available, she goes and takes care of the Hummels and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. She does that both in, in those louder moments of that school and sending that letter in and taking her daughter out of school. And, and in the moments when she's talking to, I believe it's when she's talking to John in the 94 version and she's talking about corsets, she's basically saying like girls should be able to roll around in the snow and not have to wear corsets because they literally can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, and, (laughs) um, and, and we see that in, in that strength there, but we also see that in the way that she gives things to the Hummels and in the way that she goes to give away and help with soldiers and, um, and all of these moments of, of being a woman who can raise these four daughters by herself while her husband is off at war. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, I think Marmy's a spectacular character. We could do a whole episode just on Marmy, but let's talk about some other ones. Let's do it. But first, I just have to mention, because you talked about them being transcendentalists, is there's a beautiful scene in the 90s version when she's speaking with Professor Bear in his office. It's like one of their first kind of like hangouts together. Mm -hmm. uh, and she asks him if he knows what that word means. And he's like, yes, this is the, the root of German romantic philosophy. And they're going on about it. And she's like, well, with this all this transcendence, there's much emphasis on perfecting oneself. And he looks at her with this little smile and he's like, this troubles you? And she goes, I'm hopelessly flawed in the most like charming way that only Winona Ryder can. And they have this cute moment where they share this poetry together. And then he looks at her and he's like, I believe we are all hopelessly flawed. And it's so oh. cute. And it's the way they connect in that movie that I love so much. Okay. I really, if, if you're okay with our next character being Professor Bear, I really want to talk about that. Let's do it. Okay. I did not get it the first time I watched <laughs> the, both of these movies. I literally wrote down halfway through my notes of the second kind of half of the 94. I wrote down I get it, Piper. I get it. Yay. I do get it. Because <laughs> we talk about those parallels between Joe and Jane. You want to talk about some parallels between... I genuinely... This is why we need palate cleansers for this podcast. Because I genuinely, after their, like, their little happy ending moment, I went, Joe, totally happy for you. Do just double check that he doesn't have a wife locked up somewhere. <laughs> I um, think... Um, cause I like that comparison that you make. Cause I was honestly just thinking too, that scene where they're bonding over this poetry. Um, it's so much like what we see with Jane and Rochester, where it's like your heart understood mine. That's a line that mm. he says when he's interpreting the, the opera that they said, but it's the same thing there of these are two like-minded people. Um, he, I think in the nineties version, especially, Joe finding Professor Bear in New York City, he is her harbor in a storm. Mm -hmm. He is her, something that reminds her of her family, um, of the, you know, the books that she grew up with, of the philosophies she grew up with. Here is a person who is providing companionship, uh, a support, kindness. And I think that is, it means everything to her where she is being this bold, brave lady going off to New York to be a writer by herself, but she's still a person who is lonely, as Saoirse says. And mm -hmm. so she finds comfort in that. And I love that for her. Absolutely. And I think um, this is this is one case where the 94 diversion friggin' nailed it. I love the love story there. I think it's wonderful. And I think um, in servicing these other plot lines and these other stories, the 2019 drops a lot of the, the beauty of that relationship, which mm -hmm. is, I feel intentional. Yes. But, um, I, I do, that's kind of the only note in comparing the two. And then I just really want, let's just talk about, Oh, what a cutie. Cause I think that the, the parallels between Rochester and professor bear, the there, they don't have a lot of the things that you would think are similar, right? Like he's not like super wealthy. He's not, uh, he doesn't have some super high, um, social status relative to her. They have a different social status simply by, um, being in a totally different life circumstances, mm -hmm. but there, he treats her like an intellectual equal and he's a professor. Yeah. So he, by walking in and being like, you are an intellectual equal to mine. You deserve to be treated like that. You deserve to have all of those those same things. That's the mm -hmm. same kind of treatment that Rochester gives Jane that we yeah. love. Yeah. There's moments that he doesn't do that, but <laughs> professor bear is, is such a wonderful example of that idea of 
what we're really looking for, or at least what I'm looking for and what I think <laughs> you have found with your fiance <laughs> is somebody who sees you as an equal and as a partner in all of these ways that are so far beyond that surface level. Yeah. And I think that that's what that conversation means. Um, and I think that that's, they're, they're doing different things with the characters in 2019 and with 94, cause your, your conversation around, she reacts very negatively to his feedback. I think that's a different character choice that's feeding Joe's character yeah. where I think the, the way that he approaches her by being like, I don't need to tell you what to do, but I also am happy to, to share the knowledge that I have. Mm-hmm. If that is something that you're interested in, yeah. which is beautiful. Which I want to talk about that real quick. So in watching the 90s version with Sam, uh, my fiance, some of the critiques, he personally, at least the first watch through, I believe, he really liked uh, Joe and Lori as a thing. And he, I remember he being him being kind of like upset with Professor Bear when he wasn't super supportive over her stories and everything. And what I think, what I came back with and what I think is so important about Professor Bear in Joe's life. And I think one of the reasons why he and Joe work, but Lori and Joe don't work is because Professor Bear pushes Joe to be her best self. I think he, as a slightly older, uh, he's older than her. He's done all the studies. I'm not saying he knows more or he's like, has the right mindset, but he knows what she can be. And I think he he sees her talent. It's something that's talked about in the uh, 2019 version where he's like, you've got all this talent, but you're, you're just kind of settling, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're giving into simply what this publisher wants, not actually like tapping into your full potential. And that's what is so important about Professor Bear for Joe's growth is he's like, I see all this this talent in you. And I know that you can do that. And then of course, later she does, which is fueled partially by his encouragement, but also partially by, you know, her, um, handling her grief, uh, when her sister dies Mm -hmm. and it's how she processes that. And it's what through that pure personal connection and emotion that she puts into a work of writing that is nonfiction for her, that's where she finds her great talent, where her entire life she's been writing these epic fictional dramas that are like so beyond uh, anything she's ever experienced. And there's this great line in the 90s version when they're having their little Pickwit society of the little writers up in the attic. And Beth is like, Beth has written a recipe for their newspaper. And she's like, oh, dear, I never know what to write. And Joe says, the first rule of writing is never write what you know, which is the opposite. (laughs) of what it is they always say they're like write what you know that's how you like get good stuff on the page and she's like completely reversed that and it takes her her whole life to finally do the the opposite write what she knows and then she creates this unbelievable work of art um rant over (laughs) no and I think I'm curious so this is something that I have heard before and since you know more about this I do I'm very curious what you think about this I think of the way that Joe starts writing because I I completely agree the role that Professor Bear plays in her life um, in terms of like developing her writing and all of those things is very much taking her from this place of writing essentially mirrors of what she sees sell what she sees people are interested in, what kind of grabs her attention, what already exists. Mm -hmm. So she's mirroring what already exists. And it's a way of like 
learning how to write, learning how to tell a story. You write something that's actually very similar to what you've seen before. And I think that the thing that clicks in my mind for that is it feels very similar to the idea of like writing fan fiction. You're taking some of these characters that are already developed and some of these tropes that are already there and you're, you're, taking all of these pieces and you're putting them together in a way that works for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to learn about writing and to develop those skills before going on to write a story that's really uniquely yours. Um, and that's what I, that's what I kind of see there, but I also know, you know, a lot more about fan fiction than me. So I'm curious. Lillian, you hit the nail exactly on the head. That is personally how I feel about fan fiction. Um, it's wonderful on its own, but I, I also personally use it myself as yes, a way to kind of, refine my writing. You know, you start exactly, you start with what you, what you like, what you know, um, you work on that. And then eventually, yes, you write your own thing. That's how I personally, mm-hmm. uh, my writing journey has gone as well, but it's the same thing with any kind of art form, I think. Um, so like when I draw, when I started drawing, I would mostly just kind of try and copy like Disney stuff. Cause that's what I really mm-hmm. liked. And then my personal style kind of grew out of that. It still has a lot of Disney influence, but it's also something rather different now. Um, and when I like talk to like kids or people who want to start like doing art that they haven't done it before. I'm like, just start drawing what you like. And then from there you can kind of, you know, evolve, but it's, it's that, that principle and uh, very, very wise and insightful of you, Lillian, to hone in on that. Oh, thank (laughs) God I was here. Um, I think, yeah. And I, I, I just really see, I see the idea of, of Joe's stories and some of the, the ways that she writes as this is the way she knows how to express that passion and those big feelings is through Mm -hmm. this, like, and it's similar to what we talked about with Beth's reference of like, she sees it through this violence. She sees her kind of tumultuous feelings as the only way to express that is through this violence. And by instead telling this quieter story that reflects that same level of passion, that same level of feeling. Um, but instead in a space where we sort of as a society have gone, well, that's just a quiet safe space of women. And Mm -hmm. in those quiet, safe spaces of women, you can't have this loud, boisterous power. That's something that exists in these fantasies with pirates and swords and all that stuff. So even though it's such a different thing she's writing by the end, when she's writing what she knows, Mm -hmm. um, she's able to carry those themes through and represent that theme in a way that is wholly new, which is what Mary Louise Alcott did. Not Mary Louise, it's Louise May. Have I said that wrong more than once? I don't know, but let's keep going with confidence. It's it's all it's all going in. And if I have said it wrong more than once, just know that my brain does that all the time and I'm dyslexic. And if you make fun of me, that's actually ableism of you. It's it's bullying. It is bullying, and I'm gonna call the police about it. Um, I think I have a good way of transitioning us into talking about Amy because um, Amy is also a creator and a artist. She mm-hmm. um, on so Joe writes, Amy paints. And it's, um, we see in both versions, you know, she goes to Europe to refine her art, her artistic abilities and all kinds of things happen. And she eventually decides to come home and kind of give that up. Not that she's going to stop painting, but she's like, I've, I've reached a limit. I'm, you know, uh, in it 
in the nineties version, it's Laurie who says, cause he, uh, plays piano. He does music. That's his thing. He's like, my compositions are like your paintings, amateur copies of another man's genius. And he's Whoa. being drunk and spiteful at the time. So he's being a big dick. Uh, but then in the, uh, 2019 version, there's a scene where Laurie comes to speak with Amy in her workshop and she has herself decided she's like, I've, I've given up. I've hit a wall. Like I'm just copying other people and I'm not making anything new that I love. Uh, and again, it's a, similar to Joe, she needs to find her passion. She needs to stop simply. Yeah. Like doing that, the same old thing and needs to make something of her own. But anyway, let's talk about Amy. Oh my God. Let's talk about Amy. I love her. Okay. Let's, <laughs> this is, this is one point where I don't want to fight you because I love you so much. <laughs> the 2019 version fucking killed it. Mm-hmm. And the 94 version, I think Kristen, so let's quick who the actors are. Kristen Dunst plays um, young Amy. Mm-hmm. They have a different actress play her when she's older. That's Samantha Mathis. You know, Kristen Dunst from being Kristen Dunst. Samantha Mathis was also in Law and Order SVU for 17 years. So Whoa. if you don't know her, that's because that's what she's been up to. Um, <laughs> and then Florence Pugh, goddess, um, <laughs> plays she was she's been in midsummer and um black widow since then mm-hmm. um but she plays amy both young and old which i think was critical with the time jumps mm-hmm. um so amy is supposed to be 12 at the beginning of the story and essentially like 17 18 yeah um in the later half of the story um florence Pugh is 23 i think they aged or was 23 in the filming mm-hmm. um i think they aged up young Florence, like young Amy, I think she's supposed to be more of a teenager. At least that's Mm -hmm. how I interpreted it. Yeah. Um, but what a spectacular actress to play both this very mature version. And while she looks physically the same, um, they dressed her costumes really differently and gave her a lot of that. She acts like this little kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, I, I want to hear your, your base thoughts on Amy. (laughs) I think that if you just saw the 2019 version all by itself, I like the decision to give Amy more character. Uh, She had a much bigger role in the 2019 version. I think Mm -hmm. in the 90s version, they're focusing on Joe. She is our protagonist. Mm -hmm. I think it's rather split somewhat in the 2019 version. So there are pros and cons to this choice, right? Um, I think in the, what I, I prefer in the 20, sorry, I prefer in the nineties version, them having a child actress be little Amy. And then we see an adult woman being adult Amy, because then we understand her being a brat. I think it's easier for me personally to be like, oh yeah, like she was literally a kid. Whereas it's a little hard for me to see grown ass, uh, what's her name? Pew pretend like having this tantrum and like throwing Joe's book into the fire. And I'm like, you fucking bitch. I'm like, you are a grown ass woman. I can punch you in the face. Like, how dare you? But when a little child does it, you're like, okay, she's being a brat. She's having a tantrum. So that part didn't translate super well for me, but I see why they did it because you're right with the time jumps. You got to, you need that consistency. The actress did have the ability to pull off. I think you're right. Both child her and adult her. It's just like there, it was just those moments when she's sitting in a schoolhouse surrounded by actual like tweens. And I'm like, that's an adult (laughs) sitting with those kids. Yeah, that was, that was a little, that was a little jarring. 
to watch <laughs> her be like surrounded by little kids and she is an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really, let's, let's go back and talk about her burning Joe's book because I, I understand how having a younger actress and Kirsten Dunst was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. I think young Amy, and this is not a criticism of Samantha Mathis. I do not think that she was given the space on the screen to, to tell Amy's story. Well, mm-hmm. in the second yeah. half, um, I completely agree with you. That was something I had also noted down the 90 version. 90s version is Joe's movie. Yeah. Um, this version is the marches movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that in that you lose some of Joe's story, you lose that love story with her and professor bear. Um, but I think you gain this level of understanding of all of the other characters. And I really see it with Amy, mm-hmm. um, and particularly Amy and Lori's love story, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't, I hated in the nineties version. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it just feels like kind of tacked on in the nineties version. Absolutely. In 2019, they, from the start are laying the mm-hmm. seeds for the audience, but in the nineties version, she's just a, an annoying little kid. Who's also mm-hmm. there while Joe and Lori are kind of having sort of like lovey eyes at each other. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly he's a grown man and he seems like a creep when he comes to propose to her. And she's like, I don't want to be courted by someone who's still in love with my sister. And he says that speech, which I think is very important but also gross where he's like he's like just as you have always known that you would not marry a pauper i have always known that i would be part of the march family yeah and it's this whole thing of her being like you only love me for my family that's weird go away and so then when they do actually fall in love i don't buy it i'm like no he is just like weaseling his way in because joe said no to him absolutely yeah and i think that is absolutely how i felt about that i felt like it, it was such a bummer to watch both Lori and Amy's characters suffer in that mm-hmm. because Amy is not weak and is not going to just like fall over for the fact that Lori showed up and gave shitty speeches mm-hmm. and wasn't asked to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she says things like you need to like sober up and go get a job. And then he just sobers up and goes, gets a job. And she's like, okay, now I'll marry you. And I'm like, that's not anything. (laughs) He didn't grow as a person at all. We're like, we get to watch this version of Lori where it's so interesting watching Lori interact with the March family, Mm -hmm. knowing that he's going to end up with Amy. Cause Mm -hmm. I genuinely didn't. The first time that I watched the 94 version with you, I had no idea that that's where things were going. And I also, I think a lot of people have the experience watching it the first time where they're like, what do you mean? Joe and Lori don't end up together. Yeah. Um, and anytime I rewatch it, I'm like, yeah, those two would kill each other. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, cause they don't in the best romantic relationships you're bringing, you're building off of each other. You're, you're bringing out these better growing spaces for each other. And you see mm-hmm. that with, um, Joe so clearly with professor bear in the 94 version, mm-hmm. and you see that with Lori and Amy in yes. the 2019 version. I um, so a note on Florence Pugh burning the book. Um, <laughs> I personally felt like, well, it's, they leaned in the 94 version a lot on the fact that Kristen Dunst was t- literally 12 years old when this was shot, mm-hmm. which was how old Amy was in the books. I think that that, I think she like throws this little tantrum and like goes and throws it away. I, I'm curious because I know you have a sister, but she's almost 12 years older than you, isn't she? She's 10 years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why 12, I think it's probably cause that's the number I just said, um, <laughs> but there's, there's a, there's a sibling, the way they portray the sibling rage mm-hmm. in the 2019 version 
I I related to. Oh, I yeah. have I have the the fact that Amy says in that version, I wanted to hurt you. That is a very specific sibling thing. Mm. I have wanted to hurt my brothers before. And mm-hmm. how I learned that that actually sucks afterwards <laughs> when I was a little kid <laughs> is by doing things that I knew would hurt them. Yeah. So the the level of Kristen's dunced when she gets left and they're going off to the thing. Mm-hmm. She is upset, but mm-hmm. she's she genuinely is like throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Joe is mean to Amy before she leaves um, in the 2019 version. Mm-hmm. She is like mocking her for, for wanting to go to this thing. She's belittling her. She's doing all these things. And when she leaves and <laughs> Florence Pugh says, you'll regret this, Joe March. I know she says it in both versions. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh God, she's going to go do something um, where I did not see it coming in the 94 version that she was going to burn that manuscript definitely did in the 2019 version. Oh yeah. Um, and then the level of regret that Florence Pugh is able to portray in that second moment as well, mm-hmm. um, I think is, is really, really, really well done. Yeah. Um, curious if you would have forgiven Amy just because she fell through the ice. No, I would not. <laughs> I remember watching that movie as a very angry little tween. And I'm like, if I had a sibling and they burned my book and then they fell through the ice, I would still probably save them. But I'd be like, all right, well, once you're better, I'm going to go back to hating you again. Because how could you fucking do that? Like, oh, I just all of my little anger rage in me I was like no forgiveness not when they don't have computers and you can't back up her story it's gone it's just gone now that was her entire work and you just burned it you're awful no forgiveness and then of course I would grow up a little bit and then I'd be like all right but I would still always bring it up of like hey remember that one time you were a total bitch and burned my story she'd be like I said sorry and I'm like still mad about it sorry <laughs> listen I'm not going to bring up specific examples but I, I I can think as somebody who by the time we were in middle school we essentially have a sister relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I can think of specific things that if I bring them up, you're still mad about (laughs) (laughs) high school. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I think it, it is. I remember you saying that when we watched it together the very first time, you'd be like, I'll never forget Amy can go to hell. Yeah. (laughs) Um, where I, I think that I've done terrible things to my brothers and they have done terrible things to me. Neither of us burned each other's manuscripts, um, (laughs) but we did hurt each other intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you forgive them. Sibling relationships are weird. And I don't necessarily think that that's the healthy way to handle it in case there are any parents out there being like, okay, so I should let my children be deeply cruel to each other. (laughs) I don't know how you fix it. I just know that in my experience, that was a deeply relatable situation. And I absolutely would have forgiven my sister if she fell in the ice and I thought she was going to die. So we have been, we need to like wrap this up soonish. So one of the um, things that I want to kind of end on is there's a big change in the 2019 version that is different. Uh, So in the 2019 version, they address the fact that in real life, Louis or Louise May Alcott, um, mm-hmm. when she wrote Little Women, she didn't want to give Joe uh, like a marriage ending. Um, but it was like told her by the publisher, as we see them talk about in the 2019 version, they're like, you have to do that if we're going to make this happen. So she wrote in the uh, love romance at the end, which 
having grown up with the 90s version, and we've talked about how beautiful they do the scenes and the growth in the relationship with Joe and Professor Bear. I'm 100% for it. I love that romance more than it may be one of my favorite things of all time. Like in the ending, when they come together, the scene under the umbrella, that's like the second time that I cry whenever I watch the movie. The first time is Beth's death. The second time is when he comes back. And it's the most romantic thing when he's like, I have nothing to give you. My hands are empty. And she puts her hand in his and she says, it's not empty now. And it's so goddamn cute. So the 2019 version, they they talk about how that was added in. And then we also see that scene Uh which I believe it's an interesting kind of narrative choice that we see the publisher telling her that she has to add this. And then that also shows us the fictionalized version of this, of Mm -hmm. Joe's family, like getting her in the carriage, helping her get to the train station. And it's interesting to me that that scene in the movie, in the 2019 movie, it felt so cheesy and forced because that is like kind of the way they're talking about it. But in the nineties version and in the way that you like, if you read the book without that knowledge, it's the most genuine love story ever. And it like touches my heart. So it's so interesting, these two things. And it's one of the reasons why I will always prefer the nineties version to the 2019 version, because I love Joe and Professor Bear's romance. And I don't want to think of it as fake and forced. Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely see that. And I, it is one of those things where watching it, knowing how, how, what a special space that holds for you. I get that because Mm -hmm. I do think that the fact that they're cutting back and forth between these scenes undercuts that romantic moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you love it and it matters so much to you personally, I see it as, I love the way they do it in the 94 version. I think that's beautiful. I think it's a great way to see this love story. Mm-hmm. And I, I just see it as a different valuable way to tell a similar story and to have this different perspective because there is a special kind of joy in watching them put together that and watching her watch that book get put together and yeah. in watching her happy ending partly be this man. He's mm-hmm. the cherry on top. The, mm-hmm. the happy ending for Joe in the 94 version is she's getting her book published and she also gets the man and the man is the center Mm -hmm. of that moment. Mm -hmm. He's the one who actually took her story and got it published. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And as an ending to that story, I think is lovely. Mm -hmm. The joy that I felt watching Joe watch her book get printed. And then also she gets the man, like it's such a side note. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It is such a beautiful moment of her watching this, this thing that is hers be actively put together. And the cover that they show in the movie ha- doesn't have Joe March on the front. It says mm-hmm. um, Louise Alcott. Cute. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. And I think that, mm-hmm. that it's that moment. I, I completely agree with you. If you are watching this movie and you're looking for the ending of the 94 version, this really undercuts that and how disappointing. However, I think if you're looking at it as a new story and a different mm-hmm. way to see and feel and experience this story, I love it. Oh yeah. No. And again, I do think it's beautiful. It's just, I prefer the nineties. That's yeah. kind of where I stand. And it's, what am I saying here? So it's interesting. You said when talking about the 2019 one that she gets her book, that's the main thing. And then also she gets the guy. Do you interpret 
it as Joe and Bear in the 2019 version are actually an item and are together. Because we I, see him at the end when her school is open. But I saw him there and I'm like, wait a second. Is he just there because he's visiting as a friend? Or are they saying that they still became an item? I interpret it as it's unimportant. Okay. At the end of this, I interpret it as she gets the school, she gets her book, she gets her family, mm -hmm. she gets to create all of these beautiful things. And they're all involved in the school and they all get to experience and share this joy and passion around the things that they have. Because we see not only as she walks through the house at the very end of that, not only is she in her best version of herself and in her joy and fulfilling all of these dreams, but so are all of these people around her because of the space that she's created mm -hmm. and whether or not she's with the man who happens to be there mm -hmm. is irrelevant. That's a great way to look That's at how it. I read the, the 2019 version. That's nice. I like that. Very cool. Um, yeah. I have a any... thousand more things that I would love to talk about, Pick... but I also don't want our listeners to sit here and listen to them. If so... you have one more like fun fact thing that you want to share, uh, before we conclude, what, what would it be? I, do, I, I don't think that I'm going to, because okay. <laughs> I, I, I think the, open a can of thing, the things that I'm going to, I'm just going to call out the things we didn't talk about that I would have very mm -hmm. quick, like bullet point style. I could have talked for a full hour, just about Amy and Lori. I love them. I love them so much. I think what we talked about was more important for our podcast. <laughs> if anybody wants to call me and just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I'll text you my, I'll, I'll DM you my phone number and we can do that. Um, I think uh, I wanted to talk about Meg a little bit because I you referenced a couple of things in her story and the differences. I personally prefer the 2019. Let's not unpack that. Um, <laughs> I, I do think there's a lot of similar other things there. I also have a lot of notes on both of these casts. Mm -hmm. They're incredible. The mm -hmm. casts of these two films are unbelievable. Both stories, some of them were famous before and some of them were not. Mm -hmm. um, and just what incredible movies. I also want to talk about the fact that both of these movies were directed by women, which is incredibly rare and wonderful and beautiful and lovely. And I love it so much. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the things that I wanted to reference. And let's do our ratings. Yay. Uh, are we going to rate each movie individually? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think, um, I'm going to give the nineties version a 10 out of 10 books, and I'm going to give the 2019 version a eight out of 10 books. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do basically the exact same thing, except I'm going to do, um, nine out of 10 Joe's for the 94 and I'm going to do 10 out of 10 Amy's for the 2019. Cute. Um, it's oh, very fitting. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I will say the only thing that I rated higher than the 2019, um, little women is pride and prejudice, the 2005 pride and prejudice, which I gave 11 out of 10. I, went <laughs> I, I, adored watching these two movies and how special and kind of full circle to get to talk to you about it on this podcast. Yeah, I agree. And I love all of the Jane Eyre parallels we've seen. And I also love, like, I had all of these thoughts in my head, but getting to like talk through them with you has kind of given me an even deeper understanding of this story than I had before. So Yay. we've just made um, everything better than it could have ever been. <laughs> just fun fact for our listeners. Uh, my notes documents, which are always bullets are usually like two or three pages. 
This one is 16 pages. I had so many Holy fun facts. Holy hell. Um, <laughs> so uh, next week, we're going to have a much shorter episode than this. Averaging between <laughs> the two, we'll probably have a normal earbuds episode. We're going to do a mini episode. It's very special. Um, I wrote it down in my notes as earbuds the prequel. because it is the very first time that Piper and I talked about Jane Eyre. We happened to have it recorded on Piper's other podcast, World Forge, because Mm -hmm. I was a guest on their podcast. And you will get to hear Piper explain to me her first impressions of Jane Eyre. (laughs) And you will get to hear my first impressions because it was my first time experiencing Jane Eyre. (laughs) (laughs) We were kind of talking about this for a while, that it'd be fun, yeah, to go back to our roots. So um, in lieu of the uh, upcoming 4th of July weekend uh, for here, us in the United States, we wanted something a little easier to edit. Uh, So we're going to have a little intro and a a nice flashback for you to go into the the archives of our experience with this wonderful story. And if you don't, and if you didn't enjoy us and don't enjoy us talking about Jane Eyre without knowing what the hell we're talking about, don't listen to that. Episode. <laughs> um, um, the yeah. next week we'll be back with regular episodes and we're going to be talking about the web series, the YouTube series of the audio autobiography of Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got some exciting stuff coming up with that. So yeah. Feel feel free to skip the prequel if you can't handle it, but <laughs> come back for the next one because we got exciting stuff happening. Absolutely. And if you want to share uh, your thoughts with us about which uh, Little Women version you prefer, um, or if you have feedback of any kind, uh, you can reach us. We are airbuds at gmail.com. Send us an email or you can reach out to us online. Uh, we're on we're at airbuds on almost all social platforms. Uh, join us, follow us there, uh, comment along as we kind of go on this journey. Lillian has given me a preview of the amazing images that she put together so far for the posting for this episode. So it's going to be so much this week, guys, our Instagram is going to be wild. Um, (laughs) And please, if you enjoy this and if you've made it this far, good God, I hope you've been enjoying this. Um, (laughs) We would very much appreciate, we love our, our wonderful listeners. We've gotten such lovely feedback from all of you. Um, And we would love it if you would have a few seconds and could give us a rating or even a writing a full review is very helpful as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Um, and if you could share it with a friend or a family member that you think would enjoy it because, um, the people who love Jane Eyre go find each other. Um, and maybe you have somebody that loves little women Mm -hmm. and this can be their way in. Yeah. We love, uh, we love your support. We love you guys listening and, uh, we will see you next week. Uh, but until then, happy Jane Eyre reading and watching. Happy Little Women reading and watching. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.